Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and today it's a joy, an old friend with us, John Bennett from formerly of The Hill and The Independent and covered the White House for three administrations, now is an editor at the Washington Examiner, and he joined us to talk about all things related to the White House. John, thanks for being here, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll have some fun. We got to sell, uh, we got to sell some widgets, so we'll take a short break, and we'll be right back. Hi, and we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and with us is John Bennett. He's an editor for uh, the Washington Examiner and uh, covers the White House and is now staring at something off in the forefront. We don't know what that is. What are you <laughs> staring at, John? <laughs> I was uh, trying to find the best NCAA tournament game uh, uh, at the moment. And, uh, yeah, luckily, luckily so, there's sorry, we, we Sorry we're <laughs> taking away from it. Oh, no, 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 no. There's only one. So uh, yeah, I, actually, the, the, the answer to the question is I was trying to figure out how to work my television. Ah, well, that, yeah, well, you're a newspaper guy. You're not supposed to know how to do that. No, we don't <laughs> do technology well. That's not our thing. <laughs> I mean, remember when we all adapted to Slack? I mean, I, think, I don't think we've mastered that yet. No, we haven't. But what we're going to try to master while we're here today is talk a little bit about the White House. And I, I, this is going to be fun for me because uh, I've been around for a while. You've been around for a while. And we look at uh, the White House and um, I've come to respect your, your insight. So let me just ask the question. What's wrong with the Biden communication staff? Let's start there. Wow. Um, you know, you and I have talked about this so many times. It's, <laughs> It's right. it's hard to it's hard to put a finger on exactly what what they're thinking or, or planning to do at any given moment. Um, as I said to you and others, uh, when when President Biden won the election, you know, I, I, I did dread a return to kind of how the Obama press shop operated. And, you know, we heard the same thing when the Biden folks came in. We're going to be the most transparent, most transparent. Um, I just get the feeling they're not there to provide the public with information. And, and okay, I know, John, you sound naive. No White House press shop is just opening the spigot and, and, and giving out all the plans or, or telling no. us everything that happened. But these guys, th there's, there is an attitude, and, and I say this not as someone who works at the Washington Examiner or or, you know, which has a, which, you know, does, has, has, has kind of a rightward lean. I say this as a reporter who's worked at, an editor now, who's worked at all kinds of publications, uh, just someone who's trying to look at this clinically, um, that they're, they're, 
they're not there to inform the public. Uh, the Trump folks weren't either, but I got to admit, and again, I was a reporter back then during the Trump years, I do miss that freewheeling White House a little bit. I mean, this, this White House wow. is calculating. We knew it would be, but there was something about, you well, know, the, the, the Trump, folks, Trump hated us, but loved us. Couldn't do without us. He needed us. He yeah, couldn't do he, what he was doing yeah. without. And while his, while his press staff was notorious for not providing us information and he was not, you know, notorious for not providing us information, called us the enemy of the people, uh, said we were, you know, uh, uh, fake news. He still talked to us pretty much every day because he wanted to try and get his word. And he was good for ratings and people loved him for that. Um, what I find most um, problematic about the current administration is when they came, they've been more restrictive of the press than the pre preceding administration. Trump, for all his faults, they put COVID uh, protocols in place, but you could still get to the White House. Today, it's just about the pool, and it's right. and no one else is allowed in. It's tough to get in. They've delayed doing a press conference. I know they want COVID restrictions, but I think it's disingenuous to have to say that the, that uh, the Biden administration has done well um, in the press briefing room because they, they're only dealing with 14 people. The same thing was said right. of Ailey McEnany, and she was actually horrible. And so I, I find that disheartening is the, the enhanced restrictions the few people that are allowed in. And I don't think that the questions get answered. And I think no. we're part of the problem. I don't think we do sure. a very good job asking questions. Yeah. When I, when I say they're not there to inform the public, I mean, you're, you're getting into to more details than, than I was. I, one, one reason I say that is, you know, I now manage three full-time white house reporters and I welcome the management brother. It didn't yeah, well, that's a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> probably, not, probably not one for, uh, for publishing, yeah. but, um, uh, you know, and, and, and this administration is still so new and, and fair enough when, when the president says I've been here six or seven weeks, you know, give me some time. Fair enough. Okay. I agree. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but at the, so, 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 so managing these folks, um, I need all three people to at least monitor the briefing because anything they say, because because they are so new, can be news. You know, if they get asked about a topic they haven't been asked about in three weeks, and and Jen Psaki, or 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 if they have a cabinet official or a senior aide uh, briefing that day as well, um, anything could be news. So it's kind of still all hands on deck for us. We don't want to miss anything. Um, but it's hard to get done. But, but at the same time, not there. it's a. Right. It, yeah. It's and it's also a ninety-minute hole in our day now, and she's she. You know, I don't have anything for you. I'll circle back. She's not there to really give. She, she's she doesn't seem to be there to give the public information about what the administration, the White House, is doing or thinking. Um, well, my, my I question how much she's talking to the president. There you go. That's my. Um, we, we we just saw this last week when Jen Psaki. Uh, I guess, you know, 12.30, 12.45, something like that, said uh, that the, the White House and the president would welcome Donald Trump uh, getting more active in, in telling people to take the vaccine for COVID. 
And, you know, an hour and a half later, the president gets, answers one question after an event by, by the pool. And he, he says, no, it's the key. He, he doesn't want Trump to help. And the people who would be more effective at the local level would be preachers and ministers and, you know, folks like that. So if she had been talking to the president or in meetings that included the president, she probably would have heard him say that. He didn't... He didn't seem to make that up off the cuff. That that appeared huh. to be something that, that he had thought about. And, and, he, and he had asked his team, but not her. So now I think we've got a situation where, um, reminiscent of Sarah Sanders, I think a little bit early on, I, I questioned back then how much Sarah, how much access to the president Sarah had. I think she earned her way in with Trump. And I, I, I don't know why, but it, I don't know the reasons why, but it doesn't seem like Jen Psaki... Uh, is in the room with the president, you know, as much as it would be to both of their advantage uh, for them, for them probably to talk more. Um, and, and it, yeah, the, the briefings just aren't that informative. And, you know, the, the 15th time in 80 minutes that she says, I don't have anything for you. I sit here and throw my arms up and say, then what are we all doing here again today? But she did what? a good job being nice to us. Yeah, but she's nice. But she's nice, and see, she makes I think the, the the Trump administration set such a low bar. Sure, you could crawl right over it by just being nice. <laughs> you have to do much. <laughs> yeah, you just have to show up and smile, and you're doing better than they did. Right, but that's and I I know that you can talk more and probably more articulately than me about this. That's not the purpose of the briefing. The purpose of the briefing is not for the press and the press secretary to have a nice friendly back and forth and for us to just shrug and say, okay, when for the 15th time, she doesn't have anything for us. It doesn't have an update. Um, you know, w w just brief three times a week then it, you know, I, <laughs> it, it just becomes, it just becomes this daily theater. Uh, to me, it's almost this daily theater. It's, it's like, we're just, I, I don't know. It, it, it's very frustrating. Here, because it's daily theater without, you know, without, much attraction to watch it, but yeah, um, but yeah. that's often been the criticism of the briefing anyway. That we're there for us, and we ask questions, and we want to see our faces on TV, and we don't yeah. ask very good questions, but we're on camera for a good deal of time. So that's that. That's always been the knock. And when mm -hmm. I spoke to uh, um, Mike McCurry, he said one of his greatest regrets was starting those on camera briefings because uh, of yeah. the posing. And, and that's the same reason. And so people have dismissed the briefings and, and fans of, of Biden and Trump have always said, well, what does he need to do a, a press conference for? He speaks directly to the people. Um, what do you say to someone who tells you that? He doesn't need to talk to you. You're the press. He can, he can talk directly to the people. It's frustrating. Uh, the, you know, the people, there are a lot of people. So when he's talking to the people, he's just broadcasting. Uh, any president needs to be questioned and pressed and, you know, and then his answer is going to bring up a follow-up question. Um, I wish we did a better job. The, the Royal, right. we did a better job of following up on our own questions and then, you know, following up on, you know, the person who went, who, who, who asked a question to people before me. Right. Everybody, one one thing the briefings become is everybody's just looking for, and I was guilty of this. I was guilty of this at times. You're working on something, and you need a quote. You need you need 
you need their their take on something. Um, and and this isn't new to the Biden folks, but I think we've gotten away from doing those follow up questions and really working together to to pin a press secretary or you know the DHS secretary or the health secretaries in there one day. Um, same thing. Yeah. We, we we don't pin them down on on things because we've all got our question. Right. And I don't think we listen too much to the others. I, I you know, some of the best questions I think I've ever asked were um, based on listening to what someone else mm-hmm. had said and, and then drafting off of what they said, following up on what was asked, because let's face it, whatever answer you're going to get often isn't that in depth that, that it settles the issue <laughs> right <laughs> you know hey could you explain what you meant by x y or z yeah and and that that tends to work now because they're not expecting it because we've right. gotten so bad at it so yeah. you catch them off guard and i've, I've seen you and and a, a few others uh do it um i i do worry i do worry that the room has gotten too chummy and, you know, I, I to, to full disclosure, you know, I didn't get a ton of, of questions when I was at roll call and covering the Trump White House and, and they were briefing. It was a it was just it was such an uphill climb and they didn't really come to the back. You know, our seat, their seat is in the back row. And um, that was a challenge. So full disclosure, you know, I'm I'm kind of Monday morning quarterbacking for sure here. But I, I mean, obviously, the room is different. That's what Jen wanted and Jen's gotten it. Um there are times, you know, like on this immigration issue, the situation at the border, uh, there's been some tense exchanges. Um, you know, but I don't. That's from I, ignorance. I, to me, true. that's from ignorance. There is, yeah. there are reporters in that room who don't understand that issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will submit to you, I don't even think Saki understands the issue. I don't think she does. I, and she has a bad habit, in my opinion, of, uh, when when she doesn't understand or maybe she hasn't talked to the right people within the administration, hasn't talked to the president, um, she can get really defensive. And uh, snarky. She, yes, defensive, uh, a little bit snarky. It happened to us recently. Uh, and yeah, and just, Tell me about that story with Rob, because you tweeted something out. Tell me about that. Yeah, uh, our kind of our senior White House guy, Rob Crilly, just a pro's pro. Uh, ask Jen what I still think is a legitimate question, and, and Biden used this stat again on Friday. Um, he, I, I, I'm not going to get all the conflicts, all the wars, but he, right. World War One, World War Two, and and a few others. He says the COVID death toll is now greater than those those wars combined. And I'm not going to name, I'm not going to try to name them all because I'm going to leave one out. But um, it's not true. Uh, it, it's not true the way Combat he uses deaths, but not total right. deaths. Correct. And Rob asked her that question in a briefing and um, she kind of said, well, what do you mean? And, and Rob asked again and she you know, said, I don't have anything for you on that. And then she couldn't resist. She said, and I'm glad you're focused on the important things. And as Rob's editor, and this was new to me, this is the first time that one of my reporters had been in an exchange like that. I was, I was, I was pretty hot for a little bit. I was, I was upset. I, you know I, how I would have responded. <laughs> I started drafting an email to Jen. I never sent it, uh, but, but I, I did. Draft, I, I just don't think it was. I, I don't think it was necessary or appropriate. And here's why: because for four years plus of Donald Trump, and we know how many faults and, and just outright lies that came out of his mouth, and he never and told the truth once. 
Right. And God, if, if he said the sun was rising in the <laughs> east, I'd walk out and look. Right. And, you know, Sean Spicer and 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 Sarah Sanders and Kaylee McEnany is three press secretaries who actually briefed. You know, we sat in there and you looked across the briefing room with me and we knew they were lying and something that just wasn't true. So the whole Trump team did it. And Saki and Biden and company spent four years just killing Trump and company for all the lies and misstatements. And here's one where they appear to be at least pushing the bounds of the truth, of just math. And all they and had what, to do was to fix it was to go, look, we met right. like this. It's not right. that big a deal. Right. I, I get what you're saying. Just to clear it up, look, we're just talking. Sometimes it's very easy to clean up those type of mistakes. And when they get defensive about it is when I go, what, what the hell's wrong with you? Right. I just tweeted that uh, I guess we're all supposed to ask uh, housekeeping questions so we don't get snarkily snapped at on national television. You know, between the housekeeping questions and the earmark questions, it's driving me nuts. <laughs> oh, the earmark questions. Uh, <laughs> those are a lot, aren't they? For those uh, who don't know, I mean, we should explain that a lot of the questions that you can that have been asked in this briefing room can be asked up in upper press or, or lower press any right. time of day. They're right. not briefing room questions. They're not major policy questions. They're not quite, there's, you know, a housekeeping question. Seriously. What time is he leaving tomorrow? You waste my time in a briefing for that. <laughs> right. in earmark, I want earmarks on this. What, what are you part of the legislative team? What the hell are you doing? Yeah, I, that's a question that you go, I had a rant about this. Um, when it happened, the first time, I, the, Jen was asked in the briefing room, uh, does the president agree you know, with House Democrats' plan to bring back earmarks, which are specific appropriations, which you can trade for votes on other things? Well, that, it's clear that he does, because Pelosi said that they were definitely yeah. going to do it. So if, if Joe Biden did not want Nancy Pelosi and House Democrats to bring back earmarks, he would have picked up the phone and told her to not do it or told right. his chief of staff to pick up the phone and call her chief of staff. Right. But, 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 just to make sure, you can walk, as you said, to lower press or upper press and ask Jen or one of her deputies. There are plenty of press secretaries in there. It's fine to go ask just to be sure. Right. Uh, and maybe someone's editor, you know, we do this. Maybe someone's editor said, well, let's just be sure. Those are the questions that you have to go upstairs and ask, as you and I have done, you know, hundreds of times. Countless times. But, yeah. and, and so to, to, <laughs> to fold in one of the times where you and I did ask a question in lower oh. press together, <laughs> it was oh, simply no. to clear up a problem, you know, where I'm going. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to give people the idea that either one of us are antipathetic or are, are, partial against biden I, I from one it's 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 nice to walk into a briefing room and not you know have to worry about a death threat that day or sure or, or someone calling us fake media or enemy of the people sure and and they have been they are more forthcoming when i walk in and ask the questions like you know the earmark and the housekeeping questions i i get an answer then there's the trump administration and our favorite Hogan story. <laughs> I've got to tell it. 
Mr. Gidley. <laughs> so, I, you know, I saw I saw him tweeting the other day, and I was I I have to admit I was right? very happy. I was very happy that he's back. <laughs> where, where is he these days? I don't know. I, I I don't know if he's landed anything yet, but I just saw just a tweet about something. He's back in the so you and I had walked in and you I think you had asked a question. We were talking about using the Posse Comitatus Act so that they could uh, they could put troops down on the border. As you well know, it's a violation of the Posse Comitatus Act, the law that was passed in 1889. And um, the the Republicans have been some of the fiercest defenders of this because right. you know you don't want um, you don't want troops acting as police, but they've gotten waivers from Congress to do it on some occasions. So we asked the question and I remember he was going, is, is that like a rule or a, or a law? <laughs> the look uh, on your face was priceless, by the way. <laughs> you know, there were days, uh, I do have an expressive face. Uh, I did learn during the Trump years how to control it better, but there were days like that or I just couldn't, I, I just couldn't. He didn't know it, it was back. a law. No one in that press shop, including, I believe it was Sarah, Sarah. Sanders by then. I don't know if it was that. It, it, it was, was Sarah. Sarah by then. It was Sarah, including Sarah. No one knew. And I didn't talk to Mercedes Schlepp. She's the only one I didn't get to. But no one knew what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> or you, or I think Peter Alexander from NBC. Yes, he was with us for a bit. Same thing. Maybe Steve Holland from Reuters was in I think there. Steve was around there. I think yeah. Justin Sink from from Bloomberg was around, and and we were all asking the same thing, and they had no idea. I don't know if they thought we were pulling a prank, right? Uh, well, but we we eventually got Hogan to uh, uh, to take us seriously, and he did go at, and he said he was going to go ask, um, and he said he was going to be in a meeting with someone who would know a policy person. And um, I don't know if you want to tell the next part. No, go ahead. <laughs> okay. So uh, Hogan was uh, one of Hogan was entertaining, if not informative. Let's put it that way. And he, for a long time, um, he was like a, I, I called him like a. He was a. He was the. He eventually was the principal deputy press secretary. At this time, he was he was uh, just a deputy press secretary. And I said he was like a hummingbird because yeah. Hogan was always on the move. This meeting, that meeting. Jacket on, jacket off, got his notebook with him. Uh, he's sometimes hard to catch to ask a question. But so he was putting his his perfectly tailored suit jacket on, had his notebook in his hand. He was he was heading to a meeting with the with the guy who would know. And he turns around, he said, um, he said, just so I remember to follow up on you, shoot, follow up with you later. Shoot me an email about that Hakuma Matata thing. <laughs> That is not a law. That is a song from the, the movie A Lion King. King right. <laughs> and and I was like, you mean uh I remember your Pops. face. I, re I was standing, I just remember to me that day is etched in my memory yep. simply yep. because of the blank look on your face, like, <laughs> I cannot believe what I just heard. And I looked at you and you looked at me and I looked at at, at Hogan, and I remember going, Hakuna Matata? <laughs> you said that you were over my left shoulder. Yeah, right. You right. said, and I turned around and looked at you, and I, I just kind of froze. Yeah, that's And right. I think I, I acknowledged him in some way, and there was a sliding door, automatic sliding door, closed behind him. Yeah. And I believe uh, there were the, the very junior press assistants sit 
right across from that door, opposite right. that door. And I think it was Caroline Sunshine, who was probably the brightest one, uh, the best one who, yeah. who, who was in that job. And I turned around to her and I said, was he serious? And I didn't get serious out of my mouth. She said, oh, yeah. He has no oh, idea yeah. what he's yeah. talking about. <laughs> yeah. he does. And, and I said, that's a song from And She was like, oh, yeah, A Lion King. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I said, I'm not going to get an answer, am I? And she just, she just, she didn't say that. She just no. shook her head. Slowly. He had that note. He had that notebook, and we never got answers. <laughs> well, he did. You know, he wasn't good. He would email me at night sometimes. He wasn't good about calling me back after hours. But um, I had I got emails from him on a yeah. I had gotten. I got home that night and was just doing real life stuff. And phone rang, and it was a White House number, and it was Hogan. And instead of having an answer for me. He asked me again what it was, and um, he said, okay, walk me through it. Why would we need – what's this waiver about? Because you can get a waiver from Congress to send active duty troops to do a, some kind of law enforcement action or a national security action. And, and you – so when you want to send – and, you know, I think Reagan, Clinton, HW, I think W sent – Obama yeah. sent active duty troops down there. Yeah. You just declared a national security situation, and Congress gives you the waiver. You know, it can it, it can be done rather easily, probably be done in, in, in a week or two. It's, it's not hard. And I walk me through the waiver. Why do we need it? And as I'm talking, I just hear over the phone the most frenetic typing I've ever heard. <laughs> and and I've worked in newsrooms and the White House basement and, and press galleries on the Hill and at the Pentagon. And everybody's been on deadline and breaking news is happening and all hell's breaking loose around us. I've heard fast typing. I've never heard anything like this. <laughs> and I said, I said, did you get all that? He was like, oh, no, I was sending an email about something else. So I thought he was taking notes. That was the capper that night. I thought he was taking notes on what I was saying so he could maybe get me an answer. Oh, no. He, yeah. was, he was doing was 15 things. And that was, that was the Trump White House. Yeah. That was the Trump. The, just the chaos. Constant I, chaos. No information. Right. Uh, push back on any information um, right. and it, less chaotic this one, but also less engaging. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. And we want to talk about what's coming up this week. The president's first press conference. Stick around. Well, time to pay the bills, folks. And this one, I, I don't mind doing if <laughs> I actually have actually used this. If this 2020 holiday season feels like it's been a long time, come and make it worth the wait with Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks makes the perfect gift for family and friends or to treat yourself. All shipped directly to your door. They offer everything you need to bring families together for a delicious holiday feast. Okay, or maybe not. Maybe just a delicious festival. Uh, their deluxe grillers assortment package includes a variety of entrees, sides, and desserts. Right now, you can get this mouth-watering package. I've never actually seen a mouth water. Oh, well, anyway, plus four free burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. And we all need a good meat thermometer. And exclusive price only available to uh, our listeners. So go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code question into the search bar. Get a jump on gift shopping with Omaha Steaks. You know, Omaha Steaks isn't just a steak. It, it's actually a, a lot of them. It's a fantastic gift and a safe way to share the joy of the season with Omaha Steaks, guaranteed quality and safety with every order. 
Order the Deluxe Grillers Assortment Package today, and you'll receive four free Omaha Steak Burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. That's just a great straight line I won't use. When you go to omahasteaks.com and type question in the search bar, that's omahasteaks.com and type question. And if you need to spell it, it's Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N in the search bar. And you'll shop for the best gourmet gifts of the season. I, I like a good raw steak, so uh, enjoy it. It is a lot of fun. Hi, it's uh, Just Asked a Question. I'm back. I'm your host, Brian Karam. With us is uh, John Bennett. He's an editor at the uh, Washington Examiner and a Washington uh, reporter for many years and also has covered three now presidential administrations and has his own team of three that he has to direct these days. You can tell by the look on his stoic face that he's so <laughs> happy to be doing it. <laughs> John, you know, I, I take it the, the being an editor um, after 20 years of being a reporter, I just kind of it was a good opportunity. It's a it's a good team. Um, and I just kind of felt like it was my turn, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's, new. I, think yeah, you're, it's I, new. I think you're well suited for it. I've told you that. I really do. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about this week. Donald Trump had a, a press conference before um, before Joe Biden and his administration. Uh, nothing stellar. <laughs> but, but the, Trump, the Trump press conferences were punctuated by shrill screaming, yelling, uh, telling people to sit down, uh, admonishing female reporters with some misogynistic oh, comments. that's right, yeah. Uh, asking April Ryan for help with the black community. <laughs> I don't forget that one. Um, and of course, uh, let's see, Jim Acosta lost a press pass after one i did <laughs> so i don't think we're going to see anything like that yeah. this thursday <laughs> no. I, don't yeah. think I don't think there's going to be anything like that but what do you think we will see this thursday in biden's first press conference and what do you think are the issues that we need to concentrate on i the issues i think you know uh covid response there are a lot of questions still about uh, vaccine uh, deployment, getting you know, actually getting shots in arms, uh, vaccine hesitancy. Um, that's not just Trump supporters, by the way. You know, the black community, for very good reasons, uh, they're very hesitant about taking it. So you know, you can look at these rosy projections that the administration has. I don't think they're 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 quite factoring in the hesitancy. The situation at the southern border, I think, will dominate. Uh, the press conference. We haven't gotten a lot from from Jen Psaki. Um, I the, think their the lack of second. transparency on that issue is is yeah. overwhelming. Yeah. And, and I, that's, why I, that's why I think it'll dominate the press conference because it'll be the president, and everybody's going to send you know their best questioner, um, and they because they haven't been transparent. They haven't opened the doors of reporters. They won't even confirm uh, in the briefing room, and and barely when 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 we reach out to them. Uh, some of the numbers that you see reported and then you know they want to gripe about the numbers that are reported when they could just give us more information so i do think the situation at the border will be number one uh that's number one, one of the ones i got in an argument with trump about were the numbers he said you have mm -hmm. you have uh access to different numbers than i do i'm going i get the same numbers you do pal <laughs> it's supplied by the government that was one of the ones where he told me to sit down i 
I don't think that he'll respond. What bothers me about everyone when it comes to this issue is this has been an issue for 40 years. And uh, you have underpaid people on the border and border patrol. If you gave them uh, better pay, you might get some better reaction out of them uh, and, sure. uh, and, and better service. And I don't think any, I think everyone plays political football with this issue. I don't, they think, do. they, I don't think they address the issue which is, you know, we caused the problem down the border. It's our um, foreign policy that has helped kept them impoverished. It's uh, the drug um, culture that we promote because, you know, we invest in illegal drugs. So we make it very easy for the rich and powerful drug lords to engage in, you know, narco-terrorism. And those are issues I don't think people really want to hear about. They just want to hear simple solutions to the problem. So I also blame the press for that, for, for us not doing it, but I think that will dominate it. What else do you think will be on tap for, for the press conference? You know, I don't know if a lot of people are thinking about this, but I would be interested to hear the president's thoughts about, um, he has a deadline coming up on Afghanistan and what to do with the remaining U S troops there. Uh, we haven't heard, we haven't heard a lot at all from him on that, or even uh, secretary Austin, uh, over at the Pentagon, um, that could be a sleeper issue that that somebody might, with a second question, ask about. I think, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but other than I, they're studying so many things. I mean, there's no shortage of questions here. They, you know, they they came in, they told us they were the most prepared administration, uh, folks who had just done it four years ago, ready to move into more senior jobs. Uh, people worked for the Obama administration, so you've got a ton of issues. And, you know, it's just it's a natural time uh, for an update on uh, one thing, the tension. I think one thing he should be asked about, um, and if we can get Mr. Crilly in, we'll, we'll try to ask about relations with China and Russia, which are just getting worse and worse. And maybe that was predictable because Trump had a thing for, uh, shall we say, hardline leaders around the world. Yeah, he had uh, a hard on for hardline leaders around the world. <laughs> I, I teed that up for you. That was just yeah, me. yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> and Xi Jinping and uh, Vladimir Putin were certainly two uh, two fellas that that Donnie uh, seemed to be very up to the most. Yeah. And and he wasn't as he wasn't as critical as he as he should have been. And and lawmakers and experts of on both both parties agree with that. Um, Trump did start to get tougher on uh, on China on his way out, but you know. Yeah. It, it wasn't anything anything substantive. So Biden, I think, needs to explain, um, especially with China, given the economic ties, um, how he's going to manage that relationship. They just had this first mini summit meeting in Alaska, and uh, it did not go well. the The Chinese delegation was really harsh, and they don't seem to be in a mood to give very much. And that's probably the most that's probably the most uh, important relationship. Uh, with a non-ally that Biden's going to have to manage. And, you know, they talked a lot about his foreign policy experience, both uh, when he was a senator and then as vice president. Um, and, you know, we haven't heard a lot other than some one-liners about China. You know, they, they're eating our lunch on this. We've got to clean that up. Well, he can tell us more, and he should tell us more on Thursday. I think there, one, one question I'd like to ask if I'm there, if they'll allow me to be there. You know, they haven't even you can't even get in the lottery for Thursday. I, I don't know how they're going to do this, but um, yeah, that's, that goes back to your point on access. 
Yeah. Is, you know, I understand that, that COVID is still uh, a, a real thing. It's a still a, a very big thing in the district. But, you know, you've got a South Lawn out there. You can you could get right. people in there if you wanted to. Yeah. You got a big auditorium in the EEOB. You could put microphones in there and cameras and you could fit everybody in the press corps and still so socially distance. You could find a place to do this. You could yeah. do it at Fort McNair or something. Yeah. You could figure this out. The, the, you know, the one question I'd like to, and there's a couple, I, I know his health is going to come up because he slipped and fell going up right. the steps. And I think that's a superfluous, silly issue. It's not like, a, um, we had legitimate concerns about Trump after he went to the emergency room in November of 2019 and seemed to suffer some decline after that. Uh, I trip up the steps. I, I'll wait. To, I can't decide. I can't know or or be able to judge this president because i haven't been in front of him yet so i don't know if if there are cognitive or or health issues which is one of the reasons i'm looking forward to this press conference to see how he performs for 45 minutes taking questions and answers from more than just 14 people how he handles himself and how he looks i think that's important but the question i really would like that i haven't I don't think has been answered adequately. And I also have questions about it because the answer was given by Saki and I don't know um, how often she speaks with the president. She's told me personally that she doesn't speak with him every day. She says, I, I speak to him nearly every day. So I don't know if she actually speaks for the president. That's so I, which is why I really want to hear what he has to say. And as you pointed out, uh, he contradicted her. Uh, and, and not just that time that we talked about. No, it's happened no, three or four times. Yeah. We're, and so the issue that comes to mind that I really want an answer from this president on is Jamal Khashoggi. Okay. I, I really think that, you know, we knew what Trump was going to say. I think he went on Chuck Todd and said, it's all about the money, boys. You know, it was. Pretty much. <laughs> but this president said on the run up to the election that they were going to hold. Uh, Saudi Arabia accountable and he was going to treat him as a pariah nation and now it looks like they're giving him a, a free press, a pass, a free pass on killing a member of the press who worked at the Washington Post and lived in the United States. And if the head of a foreign government is going to kill a reporter and all that entails, it's like a cop killing to me. What are you going to do to the people who don't have that um, public profile? How are you going to mistreat them and abuse them? So to me, it's more than just about Jamal Khashoggi. It's about or, or why are we friends with these people at all? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably relationship number two. And I, I always put China and Russia together. Uh, maybe yeah. I shouldn't do that. But but yeah, the, the Saudi relationship, he, you know, Biden did talk a big game and and, you know, what they announced, at least uh, after the Khashoggi report was certainly not what, what candidate Joe said he was going to do. It, it was just a slap on the wrist. And, you know, this thing about not talking to the crown prince and Biden will only talk to the king, you know, I, I, I don't have deal. much. Yeah, I don't. I One of my reporters. He's going to be in the room. He's going to be on the phone call. <laughs> I know. Exactly. You know, one of my reporters wrote it up, and I believe I told her, you know, keep that don't spend a lot of time on that. You've got other stuff to do because, you know, that's, it's not symbolic. It's not completely symbolic, but it kind of is. 
so yeah, the, Biden needs to tell us more about his thinking and and why they chose to uh, to not be tougher on the Saudis on that. I mean, we all know that governing is 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 more difficult than running. Um, and yeah, you know, two different got, things. Yeah, Trump and, <laughs> night and day with Trump. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I get the sense that that he uh, that Biden and and his folks maybe said some things on the campaign trail mainly because they were so desperate to get Trump out of the White House. And maybe they, they did overpromise on a lot of things. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think they would tell you off the record, sadly, that they did what they had to do, and they viewed Trump as that bad, and so maybe they did over overpromise. But candidates always overpromise. Yeah, they do. Uh, but you, you make a great point. What, what the Saudis did was, uh, man, it's, it's, it's hard to even put into words how serious that is, and... and it's hard to come up with an adjective. Yeah, it's it's hard to come up with an adjective that does justice to just kind of the feckless response from two administrations here so far. Yeah, so far it's just like, well, we want your money, so go ahead, kill who you want. I mean, that's what it boils down to. And you that's know, right. and so and and, and and the saw and and Saudi Arabia as a check on Iran in the region. I think that yeah. plays a that plays a big, big, big role in okay. If we do press the Saudis or if we do sanctions on MBS and his inner circle, you know, are they going to take their foot off the gas on things that you and I probably don't even know about they're doing to slow down or interfere with what Iran's doing? Um, you know, so that that is a chess board that we don't we don't we're no. not privy to. But at the same time, you know, he needs to explain. Uh, he needs to explain that on Thursday. I'll, let's see how long this thing is. How long you know, do you think it'll be? I think we'll have a nice, clean uh, – if the over-under was 45 minutes, I'll take a slight over. I think 47, 48 minutes. I think you're, you? I wouldn't bet against you. Does it start on time? time? Uh, no, it'll start uh, – <laughs> if uh, – Joe is, Joe is not very – he's not punctual. He's, he's, he doesn't go on and on. I remember covering some vice president speeches uh, back then. And he, his speech, his remarks were much longer. But since he's taken office, you know, he's nine to sixteen minutes when he's giving remarks. So um, I don't think it starts on time. I think it starts about twenty minutes late. Um, I'm gonna go fifteen. I, I would, I would guess fifteen minutes. Fifteen. They, okay. They, they okay. normally are between ten and fifteen minutes late when they're late, as opposed to Trump. And if you remember back then, I would walk back in the lower press and piss them off because. We'd be sitting there 35, 40 minutes, and people are going, hey, when are you going to start? We never got a two-minute warning. Do you remember, especially those early COVID briefings with Trump, where they would, num number one, they wouldn't announce a 6 o'clock briefing until 3.30 or 4. Yeah. And then they would push it back at 6.20 to, or they push it back to 6.30 at 6.10 which you knew meant seven, and then at seven they would put they pushed someone. They didn't start until seven thirty. <laughs> yeah, the man just wanted to be on prime time. Yeah, he just wanted to be on prime time cable. That it was, you know. And I'll give you I, one better. I, Do you remember the the <laughs> a COVID briefing where they were talking to us about social distancing and Burks and um, Fauci and some of the other. Uh, administration officials got up on stage and were socially distanced and the vice president's press secretary told them to move closer together. And I mean, there's even videotape of that happening. 
<laughs> well, you, Don Don had to have the visual that Don wanted. Yes. <laughs> I think it's that simple. Yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't hard to always crack the case over there when when those guys were in. Uh, that was, I don't know, I don't think that was the same one, but there was also the night that Trump told us to inject uh, disinfectant. Oh, my God, I was there for the Were you there? I was not there at the oh, time, no. I was standing uh, in the back, and I, I remember looking around going, out of all the things I've ever been told would be good to inject, Clorox is definitely not one of them. I, yeah, I was. I was. Or um, expose your insides to sunlight. <laughs> that was. That's. Yeah, I was. What do we I do, was flail ourselves. I, I I couldn't I couldn't believe it, but I knew I heard him correctly. And yeah. I was I was at my last place, and um, I was I was basically the White House reporter there, and um, there was an editor in London who was still on helping us out. He heard it as well, but my edit, my direct editor in New York, didn't hear it. He was, you know, probably editing three stories as he was want to do at once, um, and he said, "Okay, start writing. I'm going to rewind and listen to it just so we're sure." I think we were the first ones who got that up that night, um, <laughs> and and I couldn't believe it as I was writing it, and, you know, putting it in the system and writing a headline, and I was just muttering under my breath. The president of the United States, the most powerful person in the world, just told us to put 409 in our veins. <laughs> and then, of course, because this was always... Then the, Hogan uh, said he'd get back to us about that Hakuna Matata thing. <laughs> right. No, they said he was joking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who jokes about that? They said he was joking. I got a note from, from someone in the press shop that night, and I listened. I went back and listened to it online. Joking. Ten times we we knew at that point we knew Don Donald Trump enough and had listened to him every day for I mean just on and on and on you know when the man's joking he's actually actually pretty funny sometimes yeah he has a good sense of humor he can have a good sense of humor he doesn't have a self deprecating sense of humor but when he makes fun of other people he, he yes. is like oh, I remember yeah. in the East Room <laughs> one time when he made fun of Mnuchin and he goes. Can you imagine? He almost did broadening, and he goes, "Can you imagine this guy playing football?" Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he kind of. Yeah. And Mnuchin yeah. had those glasses and kind of the Mister Peepers look. And hell, yeah. I started. You know, I was back in the back with the, a couple of members of the Secret Service, and they started laughing. Um, yeah. And, and the, so, so when Trump's being funny, he, you know he delivers, and he knows yeah. how to deliver a line. I mean, he's a showman. Yeah. Obviously, knows how to deliver on all those rallies that we watched yeah. and covered. So. Um, we won't get that Thursday. We're, we're not no, going to get no. anything close to it. Um, well, I think good. it was, I, I read an interview with Don Bongino, who's a conservative radio host. He's one of the guys, one of the folks in the running to possibly take over the Rush Limbaugh uh, time slot. And he said last week that he's having trouble coming up with Biden content. And he says, Joe's just boring, too boring. And, you know, I think That's we'll get a little brilliant. Yeah, that is kind of brilliant. It, it is it, because he has toned down the rhetoric and that that part of it, I do like that. There, it's not as yeah. it's not as as, you know, combative every day. But at the same time, right. you have to have answers to real basic questions. And 
I I don't think we've gotten them. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I agree. Think, and, and I'll and I'll say this: I think that what I I like Biden better than I like some of his people. Uh, I think that's uh, I I think that's that's spot on. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I I don't necessarily think at least this first wave of folks he's got in there. Um, I don't think they're the unity folks, and he ran on unity. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they're that interested. Well, there's in some it. true believers in there. Mm-hmm. Real, yeah, exactly. You know, that it remind me of Trump true believers. Mm-hmm. And I, I always say, beware the true believers, oh. because uh, you know I, I I can work with someone who's got an open mind or um, someone who's willing to think they might be wrong about one or two things. Uh, so true believers always like condescending true believers. Condescend. You know, that's the thing that, that that's another thing I was thinking about earlier today was um, I don't know these interactions with the press. And I, I don't think Biden's terrible at it. He does give he does give some answers. I, I We always write stuff when Biden interacts right. with reporters. Um, I don't know some of the other people in his in his administration. I don't I, they might not even know the answer to this. Why are they interacting with the press? I get the sense it's just to say they are. We knew why Sarah Sanders was coming to that briefing room. We knew why Kaylee was coming Conway. to the briefing room. Kellyanne, uh, Sean Spicer. They were coming in there to fight. Yes. Because that's what the boss that's what the boss wanted. I don't we know. We knew they were going in there to appeal to the audience right. of one. That's right. Right. We knew and that. The only, and the only way to do that was to get in our face, call us names, right. um, you know, tell us our facts were wrong, uh, kill us over anonymous sources. Uh, five minutes after they had sent out a statement attributed to an anonymous, <laughs> anonymous official, source. And and the Biden folks have, have started doing this too. It, it just kills me every time. They don't, and they don't even, I don't think they get it. I don't, I don't no, think they I get think it. No, I think most of get them it. don't get it. They don't get it. <laughs> um, but I, so I don't know, I, I, I don't know if they really have, I don't know if the Biden folks even have kind of a press strategy or outlook or vision. We, we, we knew what the Trump vision or outlook or strategy was. It was just a fight with the press so I can play victim because right. I have to play victim. And that fires up my base. Um, and it, Biden came in and he wanted to jump on COVID and, and absolutely had, had a to great do it. job there. And I, th- I do. I, I, um, I, we we never said someone says that this might get them in trouble. Um, hopefully this um, this wouldn't. Um, but I do think he's he's done a solid job there. I, I yeah. think the data I think the data um, reflects that he's done a good job. Um, but I don't think Joe and his I I don't know if if, if Biden has laid out. You don't his know why his strategy people are walking the into the press room sometimes. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. I think they're there just to be there, and he hasn't given them – maybe he hasn't given them clear guidance. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's been so focused on COVID and a Me couple too. of other big things. Me too. I, I agree with you. I, I, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's see what he does this Thursday. What yeah. you, before we go to the break, what is the worst thing you remember about – well, wait a minute. I'll save that. Let me let me take that back. What's wrong with the press covering the White House? Oh man, 
Uh, now this this will get me in trouble. Um, I I I sense a little bit of comfort right now that that the Trump folks are gone. Um, I I. I, I, I get the sense that I don't know if folks are pulling punches, but you know I, I don't think feeling. we've been I don't think we've been tough enough the royal we I don't think we've been tough enough on these guys. And my philosophy is you know cover every everyone uh, tough but fair, and I don't care what letters beside your name your political affiliation. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know I think like I said earlier. Um, we're we're so focused on our one question or two questions that that we're not getting the information to the people. A lot of that has to do with the internet and clicks. You know, I have to deliver this story, right. and it has to deliver traffic. So, um, well, to your I first point, I think we take we're too worried about the pool. I think we should get more people circulating sure. through that press room, and not just the people who have the seats. And not just the mm -hmm. pool, but everybody. I think yeah. that's that's the. And then to your second point, what was your second point? No, <laughs> did your, I have one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to your I'm flattered point, that you think I had one. <laughs> to, to your second point about following up, I think that comes when you have um, more experienced reporters in there, and we don't have that right now. That's a good point, and there are a lot of reasons for that. Uh, it, it's well for the young reporters. I think one reason is, um, and you and I have talked about this offline uh, privately is, uh, you know, you can fast track to the white house beat now where, you know, I get there at 35, 36, you can get there by 26, 27. If you, you go cover a campaign, younger. right. They, they, they're just younger. They, they lack, uh, the experience. You know, my strong suit, I guess, is I just know how Washington works because I've worked at a number of places. I've covered the Pentagon. I've covered the defense industry. I've covered business. I've covered Congress. Um, I covered the, the budget process for a year up close. So, you know, I've got that experience. I can ask a, I can ask a certain set of questions really well. Well, you've got folks who go and work very hard covering campaigns. Don't, you know, I know they work hard, they work long hours. We, you know, not, I'm not trying to disparage anyone, but there is a lack of experience some days in the room. And you've got people who go straight from campaign reporting and, you know, they've got the context, they know the person who's going to be the press secretary, the comms director, and, and, and they know who's the, probably the chief of staff and, and so on. So they're in the room and they're asking about the right topics, but the question isn't sharp enough. Right. I think I think that is a big yeah, problem. I, I think or they miss that they, they just miss that that little bit of, nuance of English or yeah, it's like a pitch. You know, somebody who throws uh, a 98 mile an hour fastball versus someone who throws it at 96 or 95, but can put it right on the edge of the plate. Right. Uh, and that's the difference, I think. Uh, that and that's that I think get outside. Big, <laughs> yeah, and it's a big problem, and it's also. Um, that, well, and, and they don't know that's the issue. Related, that's related to a trend now of um, hiring from within, and uh, that's always yeah, happening. Hiring just promoting from within, and moving people interns, around. Yeah. Hiring interns, 
putting them in the mm -hmm. White House. They've never seen anything else. They don't know anything else. They haven't, you know, the immigration issue is one of the, I, I think, highlights this more than anything else. How many people in that room have ever even been to the border? How many people in that room have ever covered, have yeah. ridden with Border Patrol at night? How many people have gone to see the shanty towns in Central and South America to see where these people are coming from to understand firsthand that's, why they're trying to get over here? Not that's many all fair. Us have. Yeah. That's all fair. And then that gets into, well, where are you going to get some of that experience? Local newspapers, right. local television. Well, those newsrooms are a shell of their former selves. They've fired everyone. They've laid everyone off. You can't get that experience. Ah, now we're talking about my book coming out in the fall. Right. That's it. Ah, you yeah, see how I did that? I did that yeah, for you. That was yeah. very smart. Nice it's called Free so, the Press. <laughs> so this goes all the way down to the roots of the industry. Yeah. This goes down to the grassroots of the industry. That's where you get that kind, a lot of that kind of experience. And, you know, folks, those jobs aren't there to go work at a, a small no. or, or mid-sized or even a yeah. big daily. I think Trump took advantage of a problem that people, our, our audience knows exists, but they don't know the cause or the actual problem that exists. They just see something, they know it's not right. And then Trump came out and said, fake media, mainstream media, right. and, you know, biased media. Look, there is no liberal bias in the media. Come on, man. No. Liberal bias? Come on. Come on. It, it's biased yeah. towards money. That's right. Yes. And, 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 and this gives me my second point. Now you're getting me fired up. Um, Fire up, baby. We can't. There's no time to send people to the border to ride along with someone at night, to stay up all night. We have to get clicks. Yes. So, you know, at my various places, more and more, I found as a reporter, uh, I, was, I, I, I wasn't chained to my laptop, but I, I couldn't stray very far. And, you know, all kind of dynamics in this, um, including breaking news and 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 it, the, the bar for breaking news is lower and lower. And, and you know, you're trying President to sneeze details at 11. Right. That will with Trump. With yeah. Trump, sometimes yeah. that was the Chiron for an hour and a half. Yeah. Well, <laughs> with, with Biden, too. You know, yeah. Biden trip going up the steps. Oh, my God, he's dying. Details at 11. I was surprised Fox didn't go harder on that. And I kept it on Fox all <laughs> afternoon and they didn't really go in on that. They were, that's they were busy. They saw Hannity trip up the steps. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I tripped up the steps. I, I, I you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Um, I'm a client. So I, I, I think, I think that's a big part of it is, uh, you know, I know my reporters now, and I, I, I was a reporter a month and a half ago. I felt a lot of pressure to generate clicks and more and more, um, page views, um, you know, getting That's getting not a story journalism, up. though, is it, brother? It is not. Uh, I was just talking to someone in my house about this, uh, who's also in the business, uh, and I said this very thing about an hour ago. And that ain't journalism; it's content creation. I guess I would call it news. Um, but I don't I've call it news. I call it infotainment. It's real news, right. like you know, like you said last year. I I took a week out and went you know, to the border and spent a week. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, that's what you have to do. And you have to, I mean, and I was able to accomplish a lot in a week because I had spent a lot of time down there previously. It's not like sure. you, if you don't know, I mean, you need to cover it as a beat. You need to understand the issues um, and understand why people are coming and how the border patrol operates and how they can sabotage a president 
like they are now because <laughs> they're not, they haven't got a raise forever. If I, I, right. the numbers would go down and people would be far happier if, if um, an administration, and I asked the head of the border patrol this last year during the Trump administration, why don't you get your guys a raise? That they're, they're working, you know, they're, they're working their butts off and they're getting pissed that they don't have more money. That causes problems. The problems of, you know, peso devaluation, the oil economy crashing, drugs, um, corrupt governments, all of those things add to the issue. And you mm-hmm. can't cover it simply by walking into that press briefing room and looking at a sheet with numbers on it and going, you know, and asking a question. I think sure. that's one of the, our biggest problem is we don't have experience in that briefing room. What you just described, though, uh, covering it like that live every day at the border or as often as you can get down there, that becomes expensive. Yeah. And, you know, newsrooms don't want to spend. And nobody wants to spend that money. Why would I hire an experienced veteran reporter who is going to file, what, three things and a weekender from the border? You're not going to write every day. You're going to be out riding around and, and checking things out and popping across the border and interviewing migrants and 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 smugglers and you know, like you did you're going to be doing all that stuff you're gonna have to get a fixer you have to get a driver um i could take that money i can hire three 25 year olds 24 year olds and just have them aggregate stuff from other publications write some breaking news drive up my click rate and sell more ads and that's where the business is going and i i find it i find it really troubling I don't know what I think this has sped up. I think Trump sped up this about our business where it's about click rate. It's about web traffic, you know, and then that's related to ad sales. You know, I'm not, you know, not speaking about I'm anywhere that I've worked now, brother. <laughs> this, this is, yeah, this, this is everywhere. This is not a statement anywhere that I work or have worked. This is everywhere. everywhere. I know every, everywhere, everywhere is concerned about, you know, there was a Trump bump. And um, now we've got a Trump slump and the business went with it in the Trump years because he let's let's be honest. Let's just say it. I think you and I can say this. Donald Trump was good for our business. Yes, that's yeah, that's exactly why people. Okay, and I, I don't I, I know reporters who don't want to say that. And, and I've I've stopped people, reporters on the street uh, when I when I said that back then. And don't ever say that. Don't ever, you know, don't say that on TV. Don't don't tell don't tell anyone. Don't tell him. Don't tell. But it's the truth. Well, Trump and now and took advantage of it. What we don't, what we do, we get screwed because if we don't acknowledge it, because this is an inherent problem in the business. Flash over substance. Right. Over 40 years of of controlling this business, constriction, uh, smaller numbers of companies owning, you know, uh, mm-hmm. monopolies. All of that contributed and set the table for Donald Trump. So to acknowledge the fact that Trump yeah. was good for business is only half the statement. Trump is good for business. Why? Because the business has ceased to be the business that it should be. That's right. You nailed it. That's exactly right. And and I think the genie's out of the bottle. I don't think there's any putting it back in because now we we – we respond to, to to market forces. We do set the market in certain ways. We and our market are our readers, our viewers. And now we've spent four years. Um, we've spent four years giving them 
candy, let's say, and soda. And now we want to, and you know, Biden is a very conventional left of center, sometimes very prog- or sometimes progressive politician. And sometimes and very a, center. Yeah. And sometimes I mean, very center. I, the whole marijuana thing is like, that's right of center. That's sure. Yeah. Sure. And, but he's, he's also a very conventional president. And a very conventional man. Yes. So now, now we, we're expecting our readers to just automatically want to eat these vegetables that we're trying to give them now. No, they, they still I, want cotton candy. Yeah. And, you know, we, we just saw uh, BuzzFeed bought Huffington Post, and, and that was a bloodbath for the staff there. And, and that goes to, like you were saying, further consolidation. Uh, and, and I don't know how we get out of this. We, our business well, model is now You're going to have flat. to buy my book in the fall. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, you're right. The business now at a lot of these publications that cover politics and Washington closely is to give all the flash we can every day from say seven to seven. Yeah. And, and now we have, we have a president and administration where there's more substance than flash. Yeah. But our readers, but our readers and our viewers, they don't care. They don't want the substance. They they want to see them tripping up the steps. That's what they want to see. And they want to see on a loop the one time a week that he might call somebody a name. Trump would do it five times a day. Before breakfast. And to me, I'm not right. Right. Before he ever even stepped into the, he'd tweet that out four or five times before we ever even saw him that day. Right. And then he'd he'd always be leaving somewhere and we'd be standing on the South lawn and he'd scream and rant and rave some more and we'd cover it. Right. He'd call somebody a so-and-so on Twitter on Tuesday morning. And by the time he got on stage Friday night at a rally, he'd be like, Oh, he's not so bad. Yeah, I didn't say that. (laughs) Right. I didn't didn't say that. You tweeted it. Yeah. I'm not on the business side of this business. I've been on the business side and you're nailing it. And I, I thank my lucky stars that I'm not because when you're trying to give, when you're trying to give your customer something that you just spent four years and maybe it's, and it's not completely our fault, but we did, we went along with Trump and his craziness. Now you're trying to give them the opposite. Boy, that sounds like a business problem. It is. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, J-A-T-Q podcast. That's J-A-T-Q podcast. Again, that's at J-A-T-Q podcast. Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question uh, today, it's John Bennett, our uh, friend and, and editor from the Washington Examiner, and fascinating discussion about the problems of, of the press. But let's end it on a, let, let's take, you know, we've got a few minutes here. What is the absolute worst thing you remember about the Trump White House, covering the Trump White House? You know, the first thing that comes to mind are specific days, instances. Such as? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you've alluded to, I think the worst thing was just the chaos um, and trying to explain it and, and sense it and, and see something was coming. The chaos was, was number one. But things like, you know, 
I say certain days. I remember I, your listeners will probably remember the time that Trump almost bombed Iran. <laughs> yeah. And um, that was a Thursday. Yeah, it was a Thursday. And I don't remember the specifics. I believe maybe he had come back from foreign travel or something. And um, I don't, I, I, it slips my mind exactly how, how it went down. But, you know, I was up late writing about how we almost bombed Iran and, you know, talking to folks. And they were saying, yeah, they, Iran would have responded. And this probably, this could have gotten very big and very ugly very quickly. And I remember getting up very early that, that Friday morning and, and getting to the White House. I was there. Uh, after 8 a.m., which was which was early for me, and there was no one there, Brian. We I almost. Know, I remember I was there that day. The, you were there. You were there. You got there, and I, I I had been there maybe an hour, and and when you got there, and you looked at me, and I just looked at you with a, a different look, I guess, and you said, and you stopped, put your briefcase down, and said, "What? What's wrong?" And I looked at you and I said, Brian, we almost went to war last night and there's nobody up there. <laughs> and that's another day. Hakuma Matata was one thing, but this was something else entirely. There, there was he, there was one person that day in the press shop. And, yeah, you know, was no one. I had gone upstairs and there was no one upstairs. But that see, that's what told me it was bullshit that he was going to bomb Iran because nobody came. There was nobody there. There was, right yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I walked into I walked into upper press and before I turned the corner to go down the narrow hallway beside the press secretary's office and into the larger suite, I could tell there were there were no lights on. I could hear the copier humming, idling. And and yeah, it, it became apparent that that nothing was ever going to happen. That was a, yeah, that was that was. A, but at the but at the same time, I had a list of probably 12 questions that that i was Just trying to get well, answered <laughs> well that's all that's as far as i got um for that morning no, that morning right yeah. that, there was no one there uh to field them or or answer them or why why was this aborted at the last second was he ever serious i mean just you know basic questions they could have had a briefing they could have had a phone call they had the trump folks had they stopped doing briefing calls at the end, if you remember, yeah, they stopped and this doing was at, everything. At the end. right, and and this was kind of at the beginning of of when they stopped doing calls and briefings. But you know, that was one thing. They 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 always. I guess what I'm trying to say is they always failed to take the office seriously enough. They always failed to rise to the moment. Yes, that I and, think they always failed to understand that this wasn't a family business being run out of a New Jersey penthouse. Sure. Sure. And, you know, as it was very frustrating that day to, as, as a reporter trying to explain to your readers. Um, and at the time I was at roll call, a big part of our readership is, is on the Hill uh, members, staff, you know, and I know they read us trying to get a sense of what the hell was going on down the street. So trying to explain this um, all day was just, it was infuriating. And, you know, I think I ended up writing a story er by early afternoons and just saying they can't explain it because they're not here to explain it. I mean, I there sent Sarah Sanders an email 
she had we knew Sarah was scheduled to be off that day. Um, but she wrote back, I'm not responding to emails today. And I shot back immediately, but we almost went to war. And I believe she wrote back something to the effect of, uh, yeah, but we didn't. So what's yeah, the big so deal? It's all cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we didn't. So why do you, why do you have all these questions? Nothing happened. And, so, I, and I said, well, I said, I said, but something did happen. You just signaled to Iran that you're not willing to do it. Right. So can you answer why you did that? Now, I never heard back. And, you know, poor Judd Deere, who was kind of the workhorse and the one reasonable person in that press yeah. shop, you know, he field, he he was unlucky enough about 1030 that morning to encounter um, a very, uh, shall we say, uh, pissed off me. <laughs> and so he got all my questions in one very angry and just bewildered diatribe and you know he and i argued for a little bit about the seriousness of it why no one was there um and and i don't know why i, I remember just walking around the, the press area all day and it was like you and me and maybe one or two others kind of understood how stupid that was just just how dangerous and it was dangerous. irresponsible. It was irresponsible, irresponsible and unprofessional. And dangerous. And, and yeah. dangerous, absolutely. And there were legitimate questions that needed to be answered. And and they just that that was one thing that was always so frustrating for me. Just the okay. inability to the inability to, to, to rise to the moment and to understand the importance and the sway of the office. And something like telling Iran you're gonna hit the button and then not, well, okay, come out and explain it. Sarah yeah, didn't need to be there. They don't know it, and they might punch the button themselves. Right. <laughs> so Sarah let, let me let me interrupt you with what what yeah. is your for the last question? What was your favorite day in the Trump White House? <laughs> don't say the last one. That's too easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks to uh, I would have liked to be there the last day, but COVID kept me away. Um, I, I was there with uh, Jim and I shared a drink that day, but that's. You know, it was a that was. But go ahead. Your favorite last your favorite day. Favorite day. Oh, there were so many. You know, I plead guilty. Uh, so if I say there are things wrong with the business, I have to plead guilty that there were times I was just really damn entertained by the chaos and the madness. Um, that's, a, that's on a personal level. We all were. <laughs> yeah, it was on a personal level. And some days you would see I would just walk around kind of just laughing all day. And I don't know if there's I don't know if there's any one day. There is one day. It just it, you, I was stalling. You see what I did there? Yeah. Um, one morning I was getting ready like normal to uh, to head down to the White House. And maybe I had a sock and my slacks on. Uh, and I. Um, got an, uh, a, a text from one of my morning, the, the gentleman at Roll Call, who's the morning editor at the time, and he said, Trump's going to be on Fox. Trump's going to, he, he said, Trump's going to go out to the South Lawn or something. And I turn on Fox, and uh, sure enough, uh, about 10 minutes later, the President of the United States, with what looked like two or three Secret Service guys, has gone down through the bowels of the residence and out one of these underground entrances and is walking by the briefing room door. <laughs> and 
he's just strolling on the north lawn of the White House and walks and these bewildered reporters and camera people cannot believe what they're seeing. <laughs> and, and and pardon my language, they are you can see one by one as they see the president, they are all internally losing their shit. <laughs> it was completely unplanned. Yeah. And and so they're professional enough to know I need to follow Donald Trump wherever he's going and maybe ask a question on the way. And also, holy shit, the president's just strolling the North Wall. And staff didn't have any idea because we're all emailing staff. Yeah, and they had What's no this clue. plan? Did you know he was going to do it? And, you know, off the record, no, off the record, no. And so he goes on, he goes out to Fox's stand-up position at Pebble Beach, which is on the, uh, which is outside the West Wing entrance on the North yeah. Driveway. And he gives just one, just an epic Trump interview to Fox and Friends. Just one of these freewheeling, say everything, gave one of my, one of my favorite quotes when he, he was asked about rumors that Sarah Sanders was going to leave the first time right. there were rumors. And he said, well, everyone leaves. But I'm just kind of like a ship. I just keep going bing, bing. And I guess bing, bing is like his, his, it, whatever ships used to, <laughs> right? <laughs> You're doubling over. It, it, whatever ships used to, to tell each other that they're in the water for bing, their bing. radar. <laughs> bing, bing. I used that quote for the next two years. Anytime someone was leaving, or rumored to be leaving, or we confirmed they were leaving or getting fired. I my editor got tired of, of reading it, but he never took it out to his credit. That was my favorite day because once I wrote my three stories out of the crazy Fox and Friends interview, and then Trump gaggles while slowly walking back to the White House. So then you got to write another story from the gaggle. Finally, get downtown late morning, and. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to name this individual uh, because that part of the conversation was off the record um, or on deep background. I don't know. He was sweatily putting on his dress shirt still from, as he told me, and he this was one of the top uh, communications guys at the time. He he didn't he didn't last at the White House very long. Um, he was one of the smart ones who got out early from the Trump years. Yes, we, we know who it is. He was in his office in Upper Press and just dripping sweat. And I said, when did you know he was going to do that? Was that planned? And this poor guy, it was. we had not had a great relationship. And he just sat down. And he, again, he had his dress shirt half on. Uh, his tie was around his neck. And he, he took his tie off. And he threw it down on the desk and he said, I fucking found out when you did by watching my fucking TV. And, and he looked at me and he, he looked and, and this staffer looked at me and he said, I, he said, and again, off the record, but he said, you're here every day. I trust you. And I got I just got to say this to somebody who understands. I can't believe he did that. That was so fucking stupid. And on that talking note, <laughs> talking about Trump and then. For the next day, and then all day, watching them try to clean up the mess Trump made, that day more than maybe any other really embodied the whole four years. There you go. And on that note, <laughs> John, it's a lot of fun. We got to do it again. We could rant like this forever.
<laughs> uh, we could. Yeah. We have before. We have. <laughs> the, <laughs> well, the name of the show is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. Thanks, John, for being here. We'll catch you guys next time.